You are listening to the Kensington Church Podcast, recorded live in Michigan. To learn more about Kensington, visit kensingtonchurch.org. Well, happy Christmas and welcome to Kensington. We're so delighted you decided to spend some of your holiday with us. Those of you that are joining us on, online, you are very welcome as well. And listen, we don't have a choir up here this morning, so we need you guys to be our choir. Is that all right? So you're in the band, all right? We're going to dive deep into Christmas for the next few minutes. And to start out, we're going to sing a slew of familiar carols. So can I count on you guys to sing with us? Why don't we stand together and let's go. When Christ was born 
before you guys are seated, why don't you turn to somebody, give them a fist bump, elbow bump, wave at them across the room, say hi to someone this morning. Well, Merry Christmas, everyone. All right, you are ready to go. Hey, uh, we have all of our campuses joining online right now. We're the featured campus this morning at 11 a.m., so I always want to say hi to them. But this morning, we're going to say Merry Christmas to them. Any of you from all of the other six campuses, uh, we are so grateful that you're joining. So on the count of three, let's say Merry Christmas to everyone watching. One, two, three. Merry Christmas. Man, there's a little one over here that just lit it up. You sounded awesome. Thank you. Well, hey, are you ready for this season? Have you done all your shopping? Uh, I don't like you. Uh, I'm leaving after this and shopping. And someone told me yesterday I was insane for doing that. And they're saying, please don't tell me it's for your wife. No, no, it would never be for my wife. But anyway, there's still a few things I have to get. uh, But we are getting ready. You know, every time we get to this time of the year, I always like to look out and just see who catches my eye with the best little outfit. And uh, to be honest, I think it's this couple right here. They're kind of sparkly. Uh, with, you know, you're in the green there, sparkly. And then you, could you guys stand up? You got a little sparkle thing going. Yeah, I love it. I always like to at least, so I appreciate that. I mean, you, you're lighting up the room. It's beautiful. And it, it, it plays into our day, actually, because we're going to talk about light today. Hey, there's one announcement that we want everyone to know. If you show up here on Sunday, the day after Christmas on the 26th, and you knock on the door and no one lets you in, there's a reason. No one will be here. Uh, we're going to be fully online for that service. And so we want you to join us online and be part of that uh, with us. It's a very particular service called New Year, New Hope. And uh, we put together just for this season. So, you know, if you like to stay home, wear pajamas, whatever outfit. In fact, you watching online, if you have some crazy outfit right now, just post the picture online and let us see it. Uh, But I don't know what you wear in the morning to wash shirts, but whatever you feel comfortable with, you'd love to join us on the 26th. Well, over this last month, we've been preparing for what's going to happen on Christmas Day. We're going through something called Advent. If you hadn't grown up in that tradition, you might not know what it is, but I grew up in a tradition that celebrated Advent. And Advent is a preparation of our heart for this season. It's looking into the future and knowing that something's coming. Say something's coming. Something's coming. And Advent is preparing our hearts. And each week we prepare our heart for the coming of Jesus in the very first Christmas, the very first Advent. And the prophets always looked to the future and said, something is coming. And so we've been celebrating what that really means. What does that mean that Jesus entered into our circumstances over 2,000 years ago? And so candles and light are a big part of Advent. And they represent the eternal parts of God coming into the world. You know, sometimes we think of that story as Jesus in a manger, and it was, and it's it's this beautiful picture we have in our mind. But in reality, when God entered into our circumstances on Christmas Day, he was coming to bring eternal things that can change an individual, a generation, a family, forever. And so the first week, we looked at hope. 
What does hope look like through Christ? It's not just wishful thinking. It's a different kind of hope. It's a hope that exists deep in us, rooted in the knowledge and the love of Jesus that no matter what we're going through, we we never fall into despair. The next week we talked about peace. And the word for peace in Hebrew is shalom. Shalom means a wholeness, a completeness. And Jesus said, I came to bring peace, but not as the world gives peace. It's a supernatural peace that surpasses all ability for a human being to understand, and it only is found in Jesus. And then the next week we talked about hope, or we talked about joy rather, sorry. This joy that isn't happiness, actually. It's much bigger than happiness. It's an undercurrent that can run through our lives. And even in the times, because you know this, it's hard times, Even during those hard times, we have a sense of joy, a gritty gritty and raw joy. And then last week we talked about love. Not a limited love, but a love that is an agape love. Agape that's not limited in God, but only found in God. And when we give our lives to Christ, we have access to this hope, peace, joy, and love. And today, we're gonna light that center candle, the very center candle that's the Christ candle. And that represents light. Light breaking through darkness. And the only way that can happen is if God would come close. That's why God's called Emmanuel. God with us. shall be upon his shoulders and he shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace.
the darkest weeks of winter, when the day barely seems to shake itself free from dropping off to sleep again, and the night stretches long and cold and deep. It is then that the people trundle greenery and lights into their homes. We haul out tangled reels of twinkle lights to make our neighborhoods gasp-worthy, to reflect in the wandering eyes of children, and to warm every passerby. Our existence revolves around light. Our own planet loops in endless adoration around the sun. The seasons, days, and our sense of time all hinge on the angle and span of its rays reaching down to touch us. The light makes green things grow. Crops, rainforests, delicate flowers bloom, grassy plains, spiring pines. The plants absorb the light and it sustains them and feeds the world. Light reveals beauty. Without light, there would be no sunrise, no tree line, no fireflies, no view of our eyes. We could not behold the glistening on the waves, the million pinprick prisms in a diamond, or the smile on a loved one's face. And for us, the light draws us up out of bed, out of our stupor, and we wake. Light energizes us to Is the light. What would we feel? What would we see? It's hard to imagine our world without light. A world in complete darkness, especially within our context. It's rare that we ever find ourselves in this part of the world in complete darkness. There's usually just one light that will pierce the darkness just a little bit. Whether it's the sun or the moon or the stars or whether it is a streetlight or a flashlight or a headlight or a, a glare from a computer or a phone or even a candle. Just a small bit of light can pierce the darkness. And most of the time we don't live in that other darkness. But there was a moment talked about in scripture, in the very beginning of time, that darkness was over all of the earth, that there wasn't a bit of light. In fact, it's in the very first chapter, the first verse of the first book called Genesis in the Bible. And it said, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty, and darkness was over the deep, and the Spirit of God hovered over the waters. 
There was only darkness in the very beginning. And it said that the earth was formless and it was empty. That word there, that Hebrew phrase is tohu vavohu. Say tohu vavohu. I'm just testing you. I put you to the test. But tohu vavohu is a powerful, mysterious little phrase only used a few times in scripture. And the best that they can say is that the earth was this mass of confusion and chaos and also desolation. Tohu and vohu. Our youngest has that tattooed on his wrist. And when I asked him, why is it there? They said, Because every time I look down, I'm reminded that God, even to this day, is hovering over our own personal darkness and hard things in our life. And he's ready to do something. He's ready to bring life and light. What a beautiful image that is. And in fact, that's what happened in this moment. The Spirit, the Father, Son, and Spirit are over this darkness. And it said that God spoke. And he said, let there be light. And that energy I can't imagine that first time that God created physical light. The energy that would go through the universe in a second, just like we experienced. And then God continued to create. He continued to to throw up the stars in the sky and the sun and the moon. And there was more and more light that came and more and more of creation. And he did that for six days. And on the sixth day, he created the crown jewel of creation, which is humankind. He said he made all humans in the image of himself. In the likeness. I hope you know that today. Many times we forget that. We come to these kind of gatherings and we forget that you are actually made. Every human being is made in the image of God. What a powerful thought that is. And so there was this perfection that happened in the beginning of time. But then soon after that, another kind of darkness moved in. Not a physical darkness, but a spiritual darkness. By decisions of humankind to be separated from God and do things that were apart from God's heart and desire, there was a chasm that was created. And in that chasm was a, it was a spiritual darkness, a sin, all the things that we do to pull ourselves apart from God. And it's at the very first Christmas that God was sent his only son, Jesus, to break into that spiritual darkness for a reason. That he was going to bring something that every human being would need. The prophet Isaiah spoke of this 700 years before the very first advent. He's saying something's coming. Say something's coming. (laughs) Something's coming. Pay attention. I see it. Something's gonna break into this darkness. In fact, he wrote it like this. People walking in darkness have seen a great light. Say light. light. On those living in the land of darkness, a light has dawned. God came bringing a light to press against the spiritual darkness of this world. But what kind of light? One of Jesus' closest friends and followers, John, wrote about this. He said, in the beginning was the word. When you read this scripture, you can replace that W, that capital W word with Jesus. In the beginning was Jesus. And Jesus was with God and Jesus was God. Jesus was with God in the very beginning of all things. And through him, Through Jesus, all things were made. Without him, nothing was ever made that has been made. And in him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. That light shines and the darkness cannot overcome it. True light, this is what John says, true light that gives light to everyone, not just some, but it's for every person, true light. Is coming into the world for everyone, and the darkness won't overcome it. That's what we're going to talk about today. 
When Jesus entered in, he came bringing eternal hope, eternal peace, eternal joy, eternal love. And ultimately, Jesus came to bring a light that would push back the darkness of this world and illuminate a person's heart, a community's heart, and generations of people to come. So that's where we're going to press in today. The one that created light in the very beginning became light for every single person. Let me pray. Lord, thank you. Thank you for this beautiful collection of people that you've put together in this particular moment and particular time. We all come in this morning with something. We all come in holding on to some kind of darkness in our life or some kind of struggle. And Lord, today we pray that your healing and powerful light presses into the parts of our life. And this Christmas, perhaps, for everyone in this room, we have an illumination of who you really are and what that truly means for us individually and collectively. Lord, we want to give this time to you, and we pray this in your son's name. Amen. But I'll tell you, I'm, I'm always continually amazed at the artists that God brings to this place. And, well, I don't know about you, but those first, that medley, and then that whole thing that the artists just did here, isn't that just beautiful? And it just sets the tone so well for where we're going. Years ago, my brother Joe and I, he's my older brother, uh, he and I were working together and we would have to take trips together. And so we had one long trip we had to take from, I think it was from Chicago, and we had to drive all the way down to New Orleans, and we had to do it in one go. And my brother did most of the driving. He was kind of the, the expert driver at the time. And so we drove, and we drove all day, and it got to night, and pretty soon I fell asleep in the front seat there, and he's driving, and we find ourselves, I wake up and we're in the back roads of Louisiana. And it's three o'clock in the morning, and he says, hey, I want to show you something. And I'm like, yeah, let me see. He goes, watch this. Kids, please don't do this. And so we're riding down this road, and he shuts off our headlights. And it's, it is, I'm not kidding you, I've never experienced that much darkness. I could not see my hand in front of his face. I'm like, turn the lights on, you know. And boom, the lights come back on. In a second, just like we noticed, the light just shoots through everything and illuminates everything and illuminates the darkness. And then he says, pay attention. There's something else I want you to see. I said, what is that? So we keep going. And pretty soon, we pass people that are walking on this road. They have no lamp. They have no light. They have no anything. They're just walking in the darkness. You know, we thought it was like the first zombie apocalypse. I mean, it was just like, what is happening right now? No light. Here are these people walking on the road they probably know well. Total darkness. And what I realized in that moment is how powerful light can be. In the most dark situations, a little bit of light can absolutely press back the darkness. Here's a few interesting facts about light. The speed of light is 983,571,056,000 feet per second. That's the speed of light. That's about 186,282 miles per second. That means if we were traveling at the speed of light unhindered, we could go around the earth seven and a half times in one second. Think about, see, you get it. That's intense, isn't it? Light travels from the moon to our eyes in one second. It travels from the sun to our eyes in eight minutes. Light is intense and light has healing qualities. Life needs light. I need light. My wife let me know that a few Christmases ago. I opened up one of my gifts. And I said, hey, what is this? And she's like, that's a happy light. And I was like, what on earth is a happy light? And she's like, well, just put it next to you during the winter and just sit in front of it and you're going to be happy. And I was like, my poor wife, like she has to live with me for 30 years. That's the darkness she has to live with. So she buys me a happy light. But what's true about it is that light does have that. 
You may be one of my, look, I've been really open about dealing with depression my whole life. If you're in this season and the, and, the, and, the, and the days get shorter, you feel it, you know? So go buy yourself a happy light. I've got one if you want it, but <laughs> light is powerful. Also, just a fun fact, I learned this from NASA. If you want your house, your decorated house at Christmas to be seen from space, they say you have to use at least 2,683 LED Christmas lights. And then your, your house will probably look like this. All right, some of your houses probably already look like that, right? You can hear seen from space, but physical light is powerful and it's essential to our lives. But there's other kind of illuminations that happen in our life. How many of you have had light bulb moments in your life? Somebody see your hand. Things that all of a sudden happen, you never knew they were there, and all of a sudden you have a light bulb moment, the light goes on, and you realize that we call that an aha moment. You know, things happen and it changes our lives. It was there all along, but we never saw it. And we have these aha moments. I always have a lot of fun uh, in these little phrases. I don't know if you guys do this. I'm gonna share, I'm gonna share a few things with you and see if I can it, it force an aha moment on you. I love that phrase that says, I was today years old when I learned this. I love those things. So I was today years old when I found out this. That when someone says break a leg for an audition, it's because they hope you get in the cast. See, that was an aha moment. Was it not? I didn't know that. All right, sorry, some of you might have known that. Hey, I was this year old, you know, this year old, uh, when I found out that flames don't have shadows. All right, that might not be a great one. Okay. I was this old when I found out that when someone says, hold your horses, they are telling you to be stable. <laughs> Come on, you're groaning. Just a few more, hang with me. I, I'm illuminating your life right now. This is amazing. I was, I was this year's old when I, when I found out that the first episode of a TV show is called a pilot because it's the first time it goes to air. See, I, you guys are nowhere near as smart as I thought you were. Nowhere near. All right, two more. This one can relate to the holidays. Give me a break. I was this year old when I realized that stress, the word stress, is dessert spelled backwards. Right? So when you're really stressed about stuff, just eat Costco. Okay, good. And then the last one is this. I was this year old today when I found out that SpongeBob SquarePants' dad is brown because he's an old sponge. All right, come on. All right, are those good, please? <laughs> so stupid. But anyway, the whole point of it is this. There were people in this room right now that had an aha moment. Oh, wow, I never knew that. You know, and then it's just like, it's unlike. Well, guess what? Those are fun, and those make us laugh. Those are just for a little levity. But as we get older and as we get into our lives, and not even older, there's parts of life that really need illumination. There's darkness that we sit in that has happened to us, that we've been part of. There's things that we're wrestling with and we're holding in our heart, mind, and soul. And we need an illumination. We need a paradigm shift. We need something to enter in because something is coming. Say it. Something is coming. And we need that in our lives. I don't know what you walked in here today with. I don't know what you're holding on to. I know what I'm holding on to. Even this morning, we got news that somebody in our family uh, passed. And so I'm holding on to that as I teach you today. And it feels like darkness. But I also know that there's incredible hope in the situation. 
And so I hold on to that illumination. And today we're going to be looking at a scripture from later in Jesus' life. We're going to move from when he entered the world, and then now we're going to move into his ministry, and we're going to see how some of this played out as he's going from village to village, bringing spiritual illumination to all that experience his healing touch and his teaching and his presence. And we'll be looking at a person that is literally living in darkness because they are physically blind. And we're going to talk about what that means when Jesus has an encounter with this particular person. Now, we're going to be teaching out of the book of Mark. And I just want to tell you a couple of facts. And I want you to stay with me here because I want to tie it in at the end. But I think it's important for us to know the book of Mark. There's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We're going to work out of the book of Mark. And that gospel, that account of Jesus' life was the earliest one written, maybe 30 to 50 years after Jesus passed away. It is... The shortest one, it's 16 chapters. It's essentially divided into two eight-chapter parts. And we're going to be working in chapter eight. And very end of chapter eight, by the end of today, you're going to see that it's a linchpin moment that pushes Jesus into a different direction and his followers in a different direction as well. It is said that Mark was friends with one of the closest followers of Jesus, Peter. When I read the gospel of Mark, I actually see it as the gospel of Peter. Peter was Jesus number one. He saw everything in Jesus' life. He was close to him. He's in his inner circle of three, but really he probably is Jesus number one. And many people feel like Mark was just writing down the accounts of Peter as he's walking through life with Jesus, as he's teaching and as he's experiencing incredible things. And so I look at this as the gospel of Peter. That may seem trivial, but it actually is very important Because at the end of this story, you're going to see that something happens to Peter. Because many times, it's not just the physical light or the physical healing that happens that brings light. It's the spiritual healing that's the most important. And so, it's important to know what Jesus' followers have experienced up to this point before this story. Because this story is just a small story. But before this, they've experienced Jesus feeding thousands of people, literally tens of thousands of people with just a little bit of fish and a little bit of bread. And they've experienced incredible healings. He healed a person that couldn't speak and was deaf and mute. And he gave him a voice. And he gave him ability to hear miraculously. He healed a young girl that was dealing with mental issues by the pleading of her mother on faith that Jesus could do this. And his his closest disciples saw all these miraculous things happening and happening. And then just before this story, Jesus realizes that they still don't get it. They haven't had their aha moment. They haven't found out about SpongeBob SquarePants' dad yet. You know, they haven't had this. Even though they saw all this incredible stuff, they still don't see the full truth. So Jesus says to him, do you not hear? Can you not hear? Can you not see? Now he just, he just healed a person that couldn't hear and couldn't see. And he's asking his disciples just before this moment, do you not see? Do you not, do you not know who I am? Do you not know what is happening in this moment and what I've brought here? And so we're going to read this account. This story is only found in the Gospel of Mark We're going to read this together. And here's what I'm going to ask you to do, if you feel comfortable. I would love you to close your eyes while I read this. And I want you to imagine yourself as the blind person. And I want you to imagine yourself as the people in this little village. Let's close our eyes and then listen to this whole story and then we'll break it down. They, Jesus and his disciples, came to Bethsaida. And some people brought a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. 
He took the blind man by the hand and he led him outside of the village. And when he had spit on the man's eyes and put his hands on him, Jesus asked him this, do you see anything? He looked up and he said, I see people, but they look like trees walking around. Once more, Jesus put his hand on the man's eyes. Then his eyes were opened. His sight was restored and he saw everything clearly. Then Jesus sent him home and said, don't even go back into that village. You can open your eyes. The beautiful thing that's happening in this little tiny story, this linchpin moment in the gospel of Mark that's gonna put Jesus on a whole different directory as far as him and his disciples. They say they came to Bethsaida and some people brought a blind person to see Jesus and they begged him. Think about that. We don't know if the blind person wanted to go see Jesus. I'm sure maybe he did. Jesus had a reputation for incredible healing. He was a prophet. He was a powerful person. Some even were hinting that he may be the Messiah that was been talked about for hundreds of years. But here they are in this moment in a crowd of people. Think about it. If you had a friend and you thought that someone could heal them, the crowd of people are taking this person and they're placing him in front of Jesus and they're saying, would you at least touch him? Because they kind of believe in this community that maybe something could happen. And so Jesus takes this person and does something very interesting. He grabs their hand and he leads them outside of the city. And he walks with them. Isn't that fascinating? All Jesus had to do is lay his hand on them. All Jesus had to do is say a word. But yet he grabs this blind person's hand and he walks them outside in the very outskirts of town. It's as if Jesus is saying to this person, if you want to be healed, trust me. If you want to be healed, follow me. This person, this person doesn't know Jesus as far as we know, yet this blind person takes the hand of Jesus and is willing to follow, is willing to be led to a place. I think the first step to experiencing the real true light and power of Christ is to be willing to follow to take the hand of Christ. You know, taking the hand of, of someone is powerful, isn't it? Think about it for you that have kids or even kids in this room right now. If you're somewhere and you get separated by your parents, what do you do? You want your, you want your parents to reach back and grab your hands. If we're in a crowd and my son starts getting away, I'm gonna reach back and grab his hand, right? And when I grab his hand, I'm gonna go, don't, don't worry, I have you. I'm gonna lead you out. You know, it's fascinating. When, when, our, when our boys were little, probably like three, four years old, they made these cast things with their hands. I don't know if some of you have ever had that. And, I, and to this day, we have them. And I don't even need to look at the names. I know what those hands look like. I know our, our, our youngest has these pudgy little hands then, you know. I know our other one had this kind of longer hand. I know what hands feel like. I know what that's like. There's an intimacy to, to take someone's hand. There's a trust that happens when you take someone's hand. Think about the people that you hold hands with. Think about the people that that happens with. Like you're holding hands right there. You know, you're just saying, yes, I'm with you. There's power to that image. And so here, Jesus reaches out and takes the hand of this person that cannot see. And we know when we grab someone's hand, we can read a lot from that. If you shake someone's hand, you kind of know, don't you? You get a sense a little bit. Here's what I know about people that I've talked to that have lost their sense of sight. Their other senses are heightened. They really do have heightened hearing and smell and touch. All of those things come to life in a different way. I'm going to let you know that I really do believe that when this blind man took the hand of Jesus, he knew who Jesus was just by that motion, just by holding his hand. And they start 
to walk. And it's interesting that Jesus takes him out of the city. If you study scripture, you realize that Bethsaida was a city that really had a lot of unbelief. They rejected Jesus. And so Jesus takes this person and says, hey, let's go a little bit away from that so that I can have a moment with you. Let me pull you away from some of your darkness. Let me pull you away from some of the noise because I wanna have a moment with you. And then this happens. It said that he spit on the man's eyes and put his hands on him. Now look, have you ever been spit on? It's usually not like, I love you. You know, that's usually not what it's made for. You know, so when we read this, we're like, wow, this is intense. This blind person still stayed there. In that culture, it was considered to be rude, for sure. But then also in this culture, saliva had what they thought would be medicinal or religious or magical cures in that ancient time. And so Jesus spits on this person's face, and then it says he touches his eyes. And then he asks him something. Do you see anything? If you study the miracles of Jesus, you find out something. He's never asked someone that. It's the first time. Do you see something? Is it working? And the person says, well, kind of works because I can see, but I can't see clearly, but people are like trees walking around. Jesus says, okay. This person is trusting Jesus and waiting because he knows that something's coming. Say something's coming. He knows that something's coming. Even in the odd ways that it's happening, being led out to the outskirts of the city, being put into this moment, having spit put on his eyes and his hand placed on his eyes, he knows that something's coming. He's believing that God is working. And Jesus puts his hand on this man. That's a powerful image. For me as a pastor and as a people that love this community, there have been so many moments in this community where I've sat on hospital beds and laid hands on people, that I've laid hands on wedding couples and prayed for them, that people have laid hands on me and prayed for me and my family. And all throughout scripture, that's a powerful moment where you're putting your your power, your hands on somebody else and saying, I'm with you, I'm connected. And so Jesus connects and says, are you healing? And it's just a partial healing. It's not a full healing. And then Jesus says once more, he puts his hands on his eyes. And the second time it says his eyes were wide open, that his sight was restored. He saw everything clearly. Of all the counts of miracles in Jesus' life, this is the only one that was done in stages. All the other ones were one word, one touch, healed. But this one was two stages, a partial healing and somewhat can see and then see clearly. Now, is that because Maybe Jesus didn't say the right words or he forgot the right formula. I don't think so. Couldn't you imagine? He's like, oh man, I forgot that one line I was supposed to say. Let me go back and try again. No, I think it's because Jesus is trying to teach us something and Jesus is trying to teach his bigger community something else. Faith, I think many times, happens in a very slow progression. One walk, one step at a time as we follow God. Of course, there are times and aspects of faith that, boom, all the lights come on just like we just saw a little while ago. But most of the time, it's steps with God, taking a step, and God is saying, would you follow me? And as we'll go, you'll be illuminated more and more and more. At the very end of this, Jesus said to him, go home. Go to your actual place of birth. Go home to where you're from. 
Don't go back to that village. Isn't that interesting? You know, Jesus healed this person and said, here's what I want you to do. Go back to the place that people know who you are and tell them what happened. Not only have, has you been illuminated into this physical sight, but now I want you to go and illuminate other people and say what happened to you and tell them and they will know who you are. Don't go back to this village. The one who created light became light for all people. And when Jesus enters in, the light of the world, into your circumstance, into mine, into the world, he's bringing a powerful light that pushes back the darkness and the blindness, not just physical, but spiritual. And so we wanted to share a story with you, and then I have an ending thought of how this comes back in Scripture. I want to share a story with you about two guys, Craig and Tony. To be honest with you, this is my 21st Christmas with Kensington. I think this is one of my favorite stories we've ever done. You can just sense this love between these two people who are blind and have known each other for a long time and have experienced Jesus in the darkness and have an incredible awakening. And I think you'll see this played out, this story that we just talked about in that actual story. Before we do that, we're going to receive our offering. And so if you come prepared to give, thank you so much. If you're brand new here and you're joining us, welcome. Uh, we're glad that you're with us. And because you're new, I just want to mention a couple things. This moment for us, if we call this home, is our moment that we really believe is an act of worship. And we want to invest in a community that's rooted in this kind of light and peace and love and joy and hope. And so we invest in that. And because of the generosity of this community... In our whole Kensington community, it's been extraordinary what we've been able to do this past year and really respond in real time. Uh, when the Afghan crisis happened over the, the end of the summer and in, in the fall, in seven days, this community raised $200,000 to get people out of that situation. It's incredible. When the tornadoes hit just a couple weeks ago, you rushed in. When we had water crisis in Texas, you rushed in. Uh, I just want to let you know that I am so grateful for the generosity and community and the way that we can impact the world and bring light to dark situations. So thank you so much for that. Uh, I think we put up all the ways that we can give. If you, if you didn't, you can see all of those, of course. Uh, but we can text 779 to Kensington, the app. You can go on our website. You can write a check. And also when you leave here, there's some boxes. But thank you so much for your generosity. Check this story out and see and watch the hand of God work just like he worked in this person's life. My eyes could see like a flashbulb from a camera or sunlight or a little bit of light for a while, but that was it. But probably by the age of five, they atrophied. And some people say, well, then you just see blackness. Well, no, I don't see anything. There's absolutely nothing there. I was born premature. My mother had a ruptured, ruptured appendix, which threw her into labor. So I was born at six and a half months into the pregnancy, put in an incubator for six weeks. And when I was about maybe four months old, my mom said she looked at me and said, um, he is not following my fingers and took me to the doctor. And the doctor said, yep, he's blind. When he gets older, get him a pair of dark glasses. And that's all she was told. I moved to Michigan when I was 10, went to the special school and uh, the teacher said, Tony, why don't you show Craig around let him know what everything is in here. And uh, he took me on a tour, and we just got to be friends. And about uh, three weeks later, we were wrestling around and collided heads. And my hand hit his head, and you'll excuse the expression, but this is the way we talked in that generation. Um, I suddenly said, you're a colored boy. 
Tony goes, yeah, didn't you know that? I said, no. That was one of the times when I realized if I've known this kid for three weeks and didn't know he was black, then what does it matter? All it meant to me was because of what I was told that there's these, you know, you're white, they're black, and a lot of people, especially back then, said you shouldn't be playing together or get together. And Tony and I just ignored him. We just, you know, got to be friends. And uh, a lot of times he would invite me over to, um, you know, stay the night with him. At that time, there were a lot of taboos about, you know, not associating with, you know, if you were Caucasian, you didn't associate with African-American <clears throat> people. But like I said, we just kind of overstepped that. And uh, <laughs> Craig had been trying to get me to, Craig, Craig was a, he loved to ride bikes. I did. He I really just, did. I balance was, on him. It was phenomenal. He had been trying to get me to uh, ride the tandem with him. Matter of fact, uh, he said that we were going to go down the alley. Yeah, there was an alley and, in back and, of and our the, house. Yeah, and there wasn't going to be any problem. It would be a straight <laughs> shot. So we hopped on the tandem. <laughs> yeah, he was on the back <laughs> yep. where you can't steer at all. Mm -hmm. All he could do was help pedal, yeah. and I was on the front. Mm -hmm. I mean, steering. Mm -hmm. And doing the steering. Yeah, and so we were moving down the alley at a nice rate Clip. I mean, speed. we were, I don't want to interrupt you, okay. but I got to admit this part for myself. All right. I got real confident, and so I sort of turned around. Oh, boy. And I said, now, don't you really feel bad? Oh, that's true. Yeah. That you didn't want to trust mm -hmm. me and ride on this bike. Yeah. Just true. about when he yeah, was ready to I answer, ready. someone parked their car mm -hmm. back there. We did not know it. And we hit that thing, and I was Slammed so upset. Into that truck. I he said, flew off the I said, bike. man, I said, don't ever ask me to, to ride with you anywhere on anything. I was upset. He wouldn't even, I said, get on this no. bike and I'll get you back to no. our house. He, uh -uh. he would not do it. <laughs> Each had a job at a local hospital in the dark room developing the x-rays, which was perfect for us because we got around in there better than anybody else did. For me, the dark room was significant because um, that's really where I met the Lord Jesus Christ, in the dark room. I had been struggling with whether I was really a believer or not. Um, there were other people that had been struggling with it, and I really gave my life to Christ in the dark room, and I, I can just remember that. It was just slow, and I just really came to grips with my own personal sin, and I, I really came to grips with who Jesus was. Craig was the one that really challenged me about salvation. I, I hadn't really even thought about it, you know, but one day, I think it was after church, and he asked me, you know, Tony, are you really saved? And I, I thought about it, and I said, no, I don't think I am. And so the Lord really used him uh, in a mighty way to really get me to thinking about spiritual things. Well, honestly, I'm, you know, I know people, some people say that you should know the exact time, date, p.m., a.m., uh, almost to the second when you became a believer. For me, it didn't work that way. It sort of was a process of enlightenment, you might say. And I remember the gospel was shared with me when I was about 13. And that night I got down on my knees and did what the guy had said, trusted Jesus Christ. But there was nobody in my family that was a believer. And so I got way off base, didn't have any guidance. And yet 
I am convinced that the Lord was back there working. Literally, the spiritual light was turned on. The best way I describe it, it was like spiritually I was in darkness or without nothing, dead in my trespasses and sins, mm. and suddenly everything about Jesus made sense. Just It's been a, a growing process spiritually every since. Maybe taking some steps back, but then always moving forward. Before I was saved, I was very self-centered. Um, everything revolved around me and my world, and after Christ came in, he began to really uh, take my focus off of me and really put it on him, change of how I understood life. It's also the grace that he just shows me personally on a daily basis. I mean, if I was in his position, I probably would have taken me out years ago, you know? And, and yet he still thinks I'm worth working through. And to me, that's just awesome that he uses me to, to do anything. Um, I can't get over the magnitude of it sometimes. You know, I don't know why the Lord let me be blind, but I'll tell you this, if it comes down to me, and I, I know often wondered, but having physical vision and letting it have caught me up so much in that that I ignore the Lord, no thank you. It's much better to have him and not have the physical vision. Um, and someday I'll have both anyway. I don't know how many times people have said, uh, I bet you guys can't wait until you have your vision and can see Jesus. No, I can't wait to meet him. I can't wait to, I can't him. Wait to hear his voice. I can't wait to feel his arms around me. Yes. Um, feel the nail scars. Um, and just know him. To me, that's more important than um, being able to see his face. Now, when I do see his face, I'm, I'm sure there'll be some excitement there. But right now, I relate more to to the person he is and, and meeting him personally. Yeah. Isn't that a beautiful story? Um, I'm not sure I'll ever forget that image of the two of them on the tandem bike. <laughs> that was one of the best stories I've ever heard. But I love at the, towards the middle and start moving towards the end, you see what starts to happen. Even Craig says that there, 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 there was this moment that I had with Christ, but it was over time that it was this illumination, that God kept taking me on a path and illuminating more and more and more. But I think the part that moved me the most, and I mentioned this to Andrew Kim this past week, I think the part of that video that moved me the most was the image of Tony, a blind man in a dark room, and that's where Jesus meets him. In the most utter darkness of his life, literally in the darkest place where, by the way, film is slowly exposed, you know, not too much light at first would be harmful. And here you have this person in other darkness and it's in that moment that Christ says, here, take my hand and I have to take you someplace. Look, this is an invitation that Jesus comes to bring on the first Christmas. Do you realize that I'm eternal hope? I'm eternal peace. I'm eternal joy. I am eternal love. And I am eternal light for all of mankind that whoever would place their faith in me will never perish but be in that life forever. 
That is what this season is about. And so we think about that first advent and the power that was unleashed in the very first moment of creation. That power was unleashed in the first advent to take over the spiritual darkness of this world. And that's the opportunity. And so I would love to pray for the person in this room and on stream or persons that has never really realized this, that has come in with darkness and that feels God moving in their heart and that's drawing him to yourself. I'd like to pray for you in particular and pray for us. Lord, your light, your love, your peace, your joy, your hope, that's different from anything that this world has to offer. And we thank you for entering into our circumstances, Emmanuel coming close to us on Christmas to offer that gift to the world. For the person sitting in the seat in the sound of my voice that has never professed with their mouth that you are Lord and never believed in their heart that you came and lived a perfect life and gave your life to overcome that spiritual darkness that whoever would turn away from their own brokenness and turn towards you, that they would have their life illuminated, that they'd be moved into your presence and that you would take them by the hand and take them to a place that they'd never experienced. Lord, if that is you today, if that you are that person, simply say this, I believe in you, Jesus. I accept you. And I profess that you are who you say you are. Lord, would you please illuminate your light here in our full community. Speak to our individual hearts where we're at and give us your hope and your peace and your love and your joy and your light. We pray this in Jesus' name and we say, amen. Here's what we'd like to do. Uh, Nate Marielke, who is our worship director, he wrote a song that he just showed us, I think, last week. And I said, wow, is this a great tune? And, and uh, I said, boy, I'd love you to, to play this for our service. And this is a moment where you can take this song in that basically sums up everything. That the night before Christmas, tonight, before Jesus truly entered in, we were walking in darkness. When Jesus came on that morning, an eternal light entered into our existence that gives us all the hope and the peace and the joy and the love we need. And so take this song in, process it, and then we're gonna do one of the greatest things we get to do every year, but see light transform this room by candlelight.
breaking the night, he's breaking the night, he's making all things right. Darkness doesn't have a last word. Jesus is the After Jesus had healed the blind person and they left, they went, starting headed to Jerusalem and had his disciples with him. And he asked them a simple question, who do the people say that I am? And they said, oh, you're a prophet, you're Elijah, you're this, you're that. And then he looked at them as his disciples and say, now who do you say I am? And Peter Remember I told you, this is like the gospel of Peter. Peter steps up immediately and says, you're the Messiah. You're the savior of the world. Before that moment, Peter's eyes didn't see clearly. He saw people like trees. After this moment that he saw God restore sight, that miracle was done so that all people would start to see that spiritually, Jesus Christ is the savior of the world that brings a light that will permeate hearts across generations. In that moment with Peter, do you realize that probably one of the reasons we sit in this room is that that aha moment happened to Peter. And he said, you are exactly who you say you are and I'm going to place my faith in you. And the church is gonna be built on the backs of these disciples. When we light this candle and we pass this, I want you to think about all 2.6 billion people around the world that profess Jesus as Lord as they light candles and you, in your mind, watch how one person's faith, an aha moment to place their faith in Jesus, has an exponential illumination across generations. And so let's take this in and watch it actively take over this room. Oh, 
because this room is now filled with light. We're now gonna fill it with our voices. So if you're able to, would you stand with me and let's sing together Silent Night. Let's just take our candles and just hold them up high and watch what happens to this room. My favorite moments, and Doug's getting old after 21 years, I still look out, it still brings me to tears. The idea that generation after generation, as people individually and collectively put their hearts and faith in Jesus Christ, that a light that pushes back the spiritual darkness of this world grows and grows and grows. And as we lift up Jesus, and as we lift up the lights in our own hearts, and in our communal hearts, it pushes back the things of this world that are destructive and brings life over the tohu vavohu. Say tohu vavohu. <laughs> there you go. Now you're getting confident. But over that desolation, that darkness, it seems like nothing is happening. The light of God breaks through and brings life. And what a beautiful image this is for us to end this time before we sing our last song. So let's bring the light down. You can put your hand in the back. Obviously, when you blow it out, you don't want to burn someone's hair. So please just blow it out. Be careful. And I'm always going to wait for the last one to go out because there's always a contest. And it's usually an eight-year-old boy that's not going to blow your candle out. And it's usually in the balcony. Uh, and so we've got three in the balcony battling. I see you. Uh, but yeah, let's blow those out. And I uh, so appreciate you guys. So the best way to end this time, of course, is to sing and to fill this room with joy. And so let's lift up our voices and sing about the eternal joy that Christmas truly means on that first advent and now. You guys help us out.
God tonight. Let's put our hands together. Let's fill this room. You've been listening to the Kensington Church Podcast. If you've enjoyed this recording, check back weekly for new content. You can find Kensington on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and of course, at kensingtonchurch.org.